Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, welcome once again. If you're just joining us, I uh, just want to say on behalf of everyone at Jubilee Church, what an honor it is to have you with us. I uh, just want you to know that you are welcomed in this space. Whatever you believe, whatever your background, we want you to know there's space with us. And uh, man, we built this church for you. Everything we do, we do with you in mind. So to all of you, as well as the rest of the Jubilee family, let me just say once again, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, well, today... I want to talk about, on this Christmas Eve, I want to talk about what makes this season the most wonderful time of year. Why is Christmas the most wonderful time of year? Well, to do that, I want to take you to perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible. And of course, I'm talking about John 3.16. John 3.16 is why this season is the most wonderful time of the year. It says, For God so loved the world. Think about the motive. Love. Think about his passion. It's love. Think about what moves God. It's love. God is love. The Bible says that God just doesn't do loving things, but he is love. It is his essence. He is love. For God so loved you that he gave his son. That's Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, that God gave his son. And he came to this earth, born in humility. He lived in obscurity, and he died in agony to communicate this message, that He loves you, that He loves you. And I want to invite you this Christmas Eve to contemplate the love of God, to contemplate the nearness of God. Matthew's Gospel says that that He would be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. He is the God that is with us. For God so loved the world that He wanted to be with us. I love how the Passion Translation communicates John 1, 14. It says that he moved into the neighborhood. For God so loved the world that he wanted to be with us. For God so loved you, he wants to be with you. And listen, uh, he loves you not because you are good. You know, automatically, you know, when you start talking about love, we start thinking about deserve. Uh, you know, do we deserve this? Are we worth this? And we think about uh, good and bad, you know, all the things that surrounds what it means to be a Christian. He doesn't love you because you were good enough. In fact, we can't be good enough. He didn't come to this world, it says in John 3, 17, to condemn us or to judge us, but to save us, to give us life. And by receiving this life, by receiving this love, uh, that's what Christmas is all about. It's so hard for us to believe this. We think God's love is for the good people. Uh, I'm not one of the good people. I'm I'm mean, I'm rude, I'm I'm not who I should be. God's God's love isn't for me, God is not for me. God's love is for everyone. You know, when the angels burst on the scene, they said, we've got good news that will be of great joy. Check this out. For all people. When the Bible says all people, it means all people, which includes the poor, the outcast, those who don't measure up. It's helpful. I find it helpful to remind ourselves that Jesus was not born into the perfect home. He was born in a, in a, in a, with a mother who was disgraced and shamed because she became pregnant, pregnant out of wedlock. Um, you know, his, his, Joseph wasn't his biological father. It was his stepfather. You know, his, his brother and sister, they didn't understand him. They didn't 
they, they misunderstood him. They probably didn't like him. And he was born in obscurity. He wasn't born in the perfect place. He wasn't born on the right side of town, you know, with the picket fence and the 2.2 kids and a dog named Spot. Like, he was not born into that home. He was born into a broken home, a real home. And he did all of that for you and I. I mean, just think about what he went through. I mean, maybe you're traveling this Christmas. Maybe you got in the car and you drove a few hours. Maybe you drove across country or flew or whatever all the time, all the, all the expense to communicate to other people how much you love them. You, we, we travel for that reason. Jesus traveled from heaven to earth to communicate his love for us. But sometimes, like I said, you know, we, we get into this idea like, do we deserve it? Are we one of the good people? Well, look, look, the Bible says that all fall short. The Bible says that all have done wrong. The Bible says that we all have erred, that by definition, that we've all sinned. So, so actually, if God loves any of us, look, he loves all of us. God's love is unearned. It's unmerited. And he loves you and he is with you. One of the myths is that God is distant, that he's... He's not near. He, he's far away. And if Christmas proves anything, it proves that God is near, that God is close. That is his name. His name is near. God is near. God is close. His name is near. His name is Emmanuel. He is with us. He moved into the neighborhood. Religion is man's attempt to somehow discover, to reach the divine. But on Christmas morning, the divine came to us to discover us, to reach us. Now, unless you were born in a home where you were perfectly loved, which is no one, it's going to be difficult for us to hear. You're going to struggle. We all struggle because subconsciously or consciously, you're thinking, well, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I want you to know that God loves you. He sees you. He sees all of you. He sees the parts that you don't see. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. Even if, even if you deny his existence, even if you have been one of his enemies, he loves you nonetheless. In fact, he is the only one on the planet who loves you unconditionally. There is no other person on earth that loves you unconditionally. The closest thing maybe is a parent-child relationship, which is why the Bible speaks in those terms. It's, it's so much why we're referred to as sons and daughters, and there's family language. So what is the true Christmas story? What is it? Another way of saying it, what does it really mean to be a Christian? It means to believe that God loves you. Not because you deserve it. God doesn't have a naughty and a nice list. There's just only one person who, if it's about deserving, there's only one person who is deserving, and his name is Jesus. And he gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven in love. Christmas is not about the lights and the tree, at least not the ones we use for decoration. Christmas is about the tree that we once used for execution. Jesus was hung on the middle cross between two thieves, and he did that as the once and for all sacrifice for sin so that you could be loved and so that you could be forgiven. So this love that seems so ethereal and distant can come close, can come near, and all you have to do to receive this love is to receive it like any other gift, to see it as just that. This isn't something I've earned. This isn't something I've deserved. This is something Jesus came to give me. And by faith, I believe it. If you have never received this gift, right here, right now, could be the most remarkable moment of your life. 
And if that's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying to yourself or maybe someone else in the room with you that I believe that Jesus died for me, that Jesus came to earth on a quiet night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago to demonstrate how much He loves us, that He lived the perfect life that I should live, and He died the death that I should die. But because He did all of that in my place, I can be loved by the Creator of the universe. I can be loved by God, that He is a God who loves me and is with me. Now, if you are a Christian, um, you say, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've already become a Christian, but I still struggle to know that I know that I know that He loves me. That's because love leaks. I don't know how else to say it. It just leaks. It leaks when we've done something wrong and we feel like, oh, does God still love me? It leaks when we've not uh, approached Him or, or done the things we should have done and, and, and we wonder if He's still there. Well, here's what you and I need to do. You and I need to rehearse His love because most relationships are very transactional. You do this and I do this. You, you do this and I do this. Um, and so subconsciously, we think we have to do something in order to earn this love. But let me say it once again. God's love for you is unconditional. In fact, I love what Paul said to the church in Rome. He says that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for unconditional. He, he knows that you've done wrong. He knows what, that you've messed up. And He loves you nonetheless. So what do we do? We, we need to rehearse His love. Uh, Jude says, and the Bible says that, we should keep ourselves in the love of God. That's why we meet together regularly. You know, I read an interesting study out of Barna. It says that the only group of people, the only group of people, and they took all different kinds of group, ages, backgrounds, the only group of people who, sh who demonstrate uh, a more robust mental health now than a year ago are those who attend services on a regular basis, not because out of religious observance, but because that's what we do when we gather. We rehearse the love that God has for us. And it's hard to believe. It's, it's grace. It's great news. It's, it's good news for all people. And we need to remind ourselves that that's why Jesus came. And that's why we get together to worship. We worship the only one who unconditionally loves us. And we've got one more song for you. And as this song is being played, I want you to contemplate that the love that came to you. It came to you on this quiet night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago for you and for me.